Here we are, episode two of the Counterculture Podcast. We've had a lot larger break than we expected due to some uh, some weather. I guess uh, not many of us had direct damage, but the area got hit really hard with a hurricane. Obviously, most of the listeners know this, but it slowed us down, but we are back going now. I had several people asking when we were going to do another one, and I'm excited to get it going. Uh, I guess now is a good time to plug the meeting Thursday night. Thursday night, starting at 6.30, we'll be at the Ministry Center on 6. 6. Thursday night. We we, we generally try to start the service at 6.30, start eating at 6. Sounds good. Uh, I am corrected. 6 o'clock Thursday night. Chilly night. Ministry Center. Chilly. I know Brooke will be making a big pot of chili. I'm sure there's other wives that have it ready. Uh, well, I'm I'm cooking some, but I'm not a wife. Uh, <laughs> brother informed me that Mike is cooking the chili. Brother yeah, Mike right. will be cooking his I, chili. I do, the, I do the chili. Yeah, and most of it will probably be deer meat. Yes, chili, so yes, it will. Yes, it will. Won't, won't it, David? Yes. <laughs> Come on out and join us. Yes. And uh, Thursday night, six o'clock. Well, tonight, episode two, we are focusing on brother Mike. Family worship. Family worship. Yes. Yeah. And. Our role as men and priests of the home. Yes, yes. We um, Joby's going to come. We're looking forward. Joby Crane's going. He was scheduled last time, and he's still scheduled this Thursday night. He's going to speak to us about family worship. We um, it's something I think needs to be restored. That's the point of our podcast tonight. Is we're looking to God to help us um, restore family worship to the home to set uh, godly trends uh, so that uh, our children will go on and carry on these kinds of uh, things. I want to read a a scripture, if it'd be all right. Uh, I think this scripture, along with uh, one more that I'll read, uh, serve as a foundation for um, male responsibility in the home. Uh, It's from Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, and it says, And you fathers, Do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Bond servants, be obedient to those who are masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling and sincerity of heart as to Christ. Um, The Lord here gives an imperative uh, to fathers to train and teach uh, their children. Um, And we we live in a time where, for the most part, by and large, even with uh, Christian people, fathers there's been a a abrogation of that duty we've uh, in some ways contracted that out uh, whether it be to the public school system or even to the church Uh, we're thankful that the church is um, a means to which our our children are educated uh, but certainly uh, that's not um, the church is not the primary um, uh, doesn't have the primary obligation and responsibility to teach children as fathers and uh, man, that's a humbling thing. I, I know uh, we're we're all um, um, stepping on our own toes in a sense, uh, but we need to have uh, this responsibility restored. Proverbs uh, 22 tells us that we're to train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he's old, he won't depart from it. And uh, our hope is that through our conversations, through our dinner, through Joe becoming, that that God would help to. Um, reinvigorate uh, men to take up their responsibility uh, to teach their children uh, specifically the word of God to teach the word of God and um, you know uh, 
this is a conversation we'll have. I know there'll be a, a lot of men, all of us, because none of us are perfect fathers. Let's just say that right away. No, no, no one close. Um, God's blessed me by grace to, uh, for a lot of years, uh, with with a, a great deal of consistency, uh, bring my family together uh, to the Word. Um, and, and I say that, and I know it's, it's somebody could say, man, I'm puffing my chest out. and say, man, it's all by the grace of God. I remember a day long ago, not many miles from here, down that way, and, and the sun was shining, and it was a pretty day like today, and, and uh, my son was a young, young boy, young, probably four or five years old, and God just convicted me and reminded me that this isn't going. This is going to go quick, <laughs> and he and the Lord was speaking truth to me that day because it did go quick. But it was on that day that you know that that's where the journey began for us. Is that we just uh, and when we, when we talk about uh, masculinity, true masculinity, and what it means to be a man. For me, uh, and I think this is a I think this is a truthful uh, thought. For me, nothing pictures masculinity like a father calling his family to gather around the Word of God. Nothing. That is the picture of masculinity. That's the man I want to be every day. That's the man I want my son to be, and by the grace of God, he's becoming that man. That's, that's, that's what we aspire to, brothers. Um, you know, so, um, so we're here to talk about that. Uh, Clay, Clint, y'all jump in and, and add to what I've said. Yeah, I mean, like you said, the sign of masculinity to to gather your family. And I think for from a practical sense, for most men who will be watching this, um, I, I think the way uh, you worded that is great because I think that most men probably, if they're truthful with themselves, are terrified to do that. Yes. Really. Um, and, and don't know how to start. Um, and because they haven't been doing it, and we work and we come home and and we have things we do at home as men when we get home we have to take care of and we do those and sometimes you just i just want to relax and i just don't feel like doing this today yeah and you get caught in that rut in that cycle right and i mean this is just this is just normal men um but it is difficult to break that trend and get out of that rut and say hey look i know this is the way things have been going but tonight we're going to sit down and we're going to open the book of Ephesians, and we're going to start going through that Amen. tonight, yeah. you know, and, and we're going to start doing this regularly as a family. We're not going to do things the way we've been doing it and, and just stepping in there and breaking that trend and keeping that consistency, I think is it, it takes courage, honestly. I mean, it really does um, no to kidding. break that trend and, and to, to get into that normalcy. Yeah, it takes, takes courage and it takes faith. Yep. Yes. And the first act of faith is believing the gospel that allows for confession of your own sin and repentance. Uh, because if yeah. it's not just my own neglect of healthy habits in my home or me uh, just wanting to relax when I get home in the evenings, um, often the biggest uh, discourager for me towards uh, family worship and things like that, taking my, my wife and my children to the Word, is when I feel like a hypocrite. Mm. Uh, when I have sin yes. in my heart and in our house that hasn't gone confessed, um, and I'll allow that to prevent me. Um, and so it takes, takes courage and it takes faith to believe the gospel that I can confess my sin to my family yes. um, and repent and be obedient, and God will bless that. 
um, even though I'm, a f I'm scared to death of that. Mm. <laughs> I have to believe that God's promises are true and that the gospel will overcome my failure yes. and that God will bless my weakness. Yes. Um, so I think that's, that's a good word of, of courage and faithfulness there. I yes. mentioned last time in the last podcast the, the confessing to my boys and how that changed our relationship so much. But I, I will also say what has kept me out of this is because the culture that I, was, that I came up in Family worship was not something that was pushed. Like you worshiped on Sunday, your kids saw the life you were living. You know, you discussed the Bible with your kids. But as far as gathering your family together to worship outside of the church, it's something that just really wasn't spoken about, wasn't taught. And it's something that I'm really having to change my way of thinking on. Uh, not just that, but the indiv individualization of your relationship with God, uh, I was raised where that was a very personal thing. You know, so many people, folk, you've got to have your quiet time and your reading time. And I've always made sure my boys were reading their Bible and that they were praying. But I've literally had to change the way I thought about these things because the culture that I was raised in was so different. And uh, I've always been proud, you know, Tate will be up reading his Bible until I make him go to bed. And I'm like, man, that's great. In reality, I <laughs> should be in there reading the Bible with him until it's time to go to bed. And uh, this has been very convicting for me to uh, to be uh, to realize the standard that's been set. Uh, it's easy to settle into a standard that's lower than what Scripture sets. We know this, but uh, reading Joel's book, uh, Joel Beakey's book, was uh, extremely convicting, and the standard he sets very very high. Yes. So. Yeah, y'all y'all make some good. Uh, uh, I think uh, Clay, you hit on um, probably the one of the biggest uh, obstacles to our uh, one one of the biggest, not the biggest, but but just laziness. Mm -hmm. um, you know, just laziness because you know when when I was coming up, you know, and and we it, it's in some ways it's it's almost like when we talk about these kind of things, it's almost like we can we're being critical of our dads. Do y'all do y'all feel that at all? I, re, I remember always. You know, and I, I mean, I love my dad. My dad was a great dad. And, but I know my dad would want me to be a better dad than he was, just like I want my son, David, to be a better dad than I am. So it is. It's about, it's about passing down and becoming better. And uh, laziness is because you do. You know, when, for, when I was kind of taught manhood, when I saw it around me, we, men worked to feed the family. That, that was... That was kind of the thing. I mean, that was that was almost it. And and that's that's a high and noble thing for sure. sure. We don't want to diminish that at all. Um, and, and then and then in that mentality, you come home and you're tired. You're done. Your your obligations are done. When you walk in the door and you shut the door, your day's over. Your responsibilities are done. And what I learned a long time ago is that's when they just really you know a lot of them just begin. You're not done. So laziness is one of the chief obstacles when we think about being consistently. Um, the the shepherd of our families that's the thing that I think is is one of the things that is difficult for us to overcome is just it's, it's work I mean it's joyful work yeah. but nonetheless it's a responsibility you know we we like to be completely shed of our responsibilities for a day and we have to train ourselves that those responsibilities are not done until we've gathered our family around the word I talked to my dad today, just so y'all know about this. And we all know <laughs> because I am blessed with a father that Amen. most people will never be blessed with. But he is sinful. I'm sinful. And we pray that every generation will be 
refined to be made more biblical, and that's the goal, ultimately. So, no, I'm never downgrading my father. I, I no. definitely, I'm, I'm blessed, but at the same time, we have to, you know, examine everything through Scripture and try to align more and more, and I pray that my boys will be much better men and fathers than I was, am. Yeah, so. yeah. Clint, you had said something. I'm sorry, Clay, go ahead, bro. Go ahead. Now, Clint had said something, too, that, that um, how sanctified, you know, because we can think about this like, you know, our, our families need worship. We're providing a need for them, and we are, but how much we need. Mm. I mean, you, you said something that, that I, I can really just, uh, uh, you know, I've experienced so many times. Is It's like this is the way family worship will begin a lot of times. I stand before my children and I say, y'all forgive me because we hadn't done this in two or three nights. Yeah. You know, y'all, or, or uh, I've been angry during the day and I showed out and kicked the trash can or said something I shouldn't have said or, or you know, and, and you can go ahead and imagine a whole other. So it starts with and how sanctifying is that and how important that is for the interrelationships of our family, mm -hmm. because when God calls us together, there's this implicit realization of something holy going on. So therefore, it's like all of the charade, all of the the hiding, the, the that just gets set aside. And, and I can't imagine where. Um, you know, and this is all just by God's grace through the means of the word. Um, I can't imagine where I'd be in my relationship with my family um, if we hadn't gathered as, as we did. Uh, I, I don't know where I would be um, if, if not. Yeah, you say uh, two or three days, you know, <laughs> two or three weeks, you know, sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And... Um, yeah, I mean, my wife and I, we're in the thick of it. You know, we've got four boys under nine years old. Um, and um, there's sometimes when I get home, we eat supper, and uh, inevitably someone's getting a spanking during dinner time. Um, <laughs> then, then we want to try to gather for family worship, and we sit down. All right, guys, we're here to worship God. We're going to act just like we act at church. We're here to God is holy. We're going to worship God, and inevitably someone's in the corner, and if it gets real bad, they're going to spank it, and it's hard to do. And sometimes you're just ready for 8 o'clock to get there and send their little behinds to bed, right? Yeah. Yep. And, and so in those moments, you have to say, what is the ultimate priority? Is it, is it me getting my quiet time in, my quiet moment to just unwind and veg out after a, a day of work, or is it discipling my children, teaching them what's the first, uh, first importance and I think those moments where it's been two or three weeks and you've just kind of fallen off the wagon of family worship, that's a phrase that <laughs> I use all the time, is, is, is demonstrating what are you teaching your kids? You're teaching them that the, the time for repentance is always now. Mm. Yeah. It doesn't matter how long it's been since you've been obedient. Be obedient uh, now. When your yeah. conviction, as long as you hear his voice, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. The day of repentance is, is now. Um, and so we're going to do that. I don't care if it's been two weeks or two days. Um, but this is what we're going to do as a family, and uh, you trust the Lord. Again, it's a matter of faith. Amen. That was in Beaky's book, Don't Flee from God at That Moment, but you have to flee back to Christ yeah. at that moment for forgiveness and repentance, and, and yes. your worship time will be better because of it. Clint, as a music person, uh, should I repent to my children for them having to hear me sing? <laughs> if we sing, uh, uh, just go ahead and apologize, or what should I do? I have a wife that sings beautifully, but uh, that is not me. So. 
Do you want my honest answer? Yes. You honest should answer. repent if your kids don't hear you sing. Okay. Well, they hear me, but it's, <laughs> yeah. it's not it, enjoyable. It, it's it's not about your your skill as a singer, but the Bible commands you. Uh, um, there are fifty over fifty direct commands in Scripture to sing to the Lord. Um, are there any other commands in Scripture that you're willing to just outright disobey? Uh, this is a real issue for men. Because uh, some re- for some reason in our culture, it's probably because of the modern Christian culture, we think singing is effeminate. Um, and Christians don't, men don't want to sing because that's, that's girly. Um, but Scripture commands us over 50 times, and there's 500 references to singing in the Scripture. It, it's something we must do. Um, and if you, don't, if you don't sing well, uh, you can make it fun. Like, and especially if you have small kids, <laughs> that's, that can be as important or more important, honestly, than it sounding good. Just them remembering, having fun singing with their dad. Now, if you have a wife who's musical, take advantage of that gift. Allow her to, to play the piano. Allow her to, to help you guys stay on pitch and the other things like that. So, um, but your, your children, uh, dad, um, needs to hear you sing. And if it's really bad, just make fun of how bad it is and have a good time together. Thank you. Hey, I, I, y'all got me under conviction. I'm standing here with David. All the years that we did, uh, we rarely, uh, we rarely sang. And I appreciate you mentioning all the commands and really bruising my toes all up. <laughs> uh, yeah, that that was. Um, I can remember we had some times when we did our family worship in the mornings where we would turn YouTube on to some good Christian music that would help everybody get kind of woke up. Yeah. But but we didn't sing a whole lot, and and well, we didn't sing. We just didn't, and um, I've missed that opportunity now. Um, it, they may have fun with bad singing when they're little, teeny, but when they get to be teenagers, it's a whole different. <laughs> it's a whole different ball game. But but I think you're right. Uh, if I had to do over it again, because it'd be one of those just awkward things you have to get over. Because the thing about it is, guys, whoever's listening, you can do this oh, yeah. by the grace of God. You can do this. You can do this. Yeah. Zephaniah says that God himself sings over us. So the God, the Father, like the Father, sings over his children. And so we, uh, we follow and we model the Heavenly yes. Father when we sing over our children. That, that's, that's cool. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. Going back to the father thing before we get too far away from that, yeah. like Talon's dad and my dad have been Talon have grown up since we were children together. Um, got saved later in life. And so me and Talon were older uh, when our dads got saved. So um, they weren't Christians through a decent part of our younger life. But one thing they did teach us is how to be men. And I think that's another thing that is lost. Uh, Yes, ultimately our goal is to mold ourselves in the image of Christ and to show that to our kids. And thankfully, Talon and I belong to Christ and we did at a younger age um, in our children's life than our fathers did so we can be better role models to our kids than that but also thankfully um, that I think is not I, I don't think I know that is lost today in this world is teaching boys to be men mm-hmm. um, and and not just in the word which is most important bringing rearing your children in the word um, but just men in general how to work um, how to use yes. their hands yes how to uh, survive in general um, and that's one thing our dads did do even though they they may not have been saved at a younger age and had the ability to teach us and, and, and bring us up in the word um, up until a point in in our lives 
but they at least did a great job. I, I, I joked about this one time in a sermon on manhood, biblical manhood, uh, and my dad was in there, and he, he understands. I mean, he knows. But that even though he may have failed in that area when we were younger, you could have dropped me and my brother and Talon off in the middle of the woods at 10 years old and came back in 20 years and we'd have had a village and the families <laughs> somehow. Um, and most kids that age nowadays would have been dead within oh, like yeah. three days. You know, that and, sounds like some kind of novel. Yeah. Uh, what was that novel with all them kids on the, on the beach or something we had to read in high school? Lord of the Flies. Yeah, Lord of the Flies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we got to think of the title for the novel of you and Talon yeah, as 10 boy. year olds. That's right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, uh, uh, Clint had mentioned uh, fun and and that that resonated with me because when our kids were younger this i mean this family worship that don't think about whoever's listening to this like this is some somber like it's some somber i mean it's giggling it's fun it's not only bible time and family worship but it's the greatest family time you can have and it was oftentimes we would begin by just talking you know just talking about how you know what you do today and all those kind of things, and it, it's just something that's it's, um, it's such a blessing uh, to do that. I, I wanted to read a uh, quote from Matthew Henry when he talks about, uh, he's actually talking about turning our uh, families into little churches, and I came across this idea so many times in my reading over the last few weeks that our families are a little church, and fathers, you're the pastor of your little church. And he says, if therefore our houses be houses of the Lord, we shall, for that reason, love home, reckoning our daily devotion the sweetest of our daily delights and our family worship the most valuable of all our family comforts. A church in the house will be a good legacy, nay, it will be a good inheritance to be left to your children after you. And, uh, man, I just thought that was such a great, uh, you know, that's such a great uh, thing. Um, if, if you seek... Uh, God's grace and strength to to follow him, um, to follow his word in regard to shepherding your family in this way daily and consistently uh, to the best that, that he will enable you. Um, there, there are rich blessings that will come. Uh, and, and, and like Clint said, it's, a, it's, it's an issue of faith. Believe that. Believe that God is faithful. One thing I'd like to speak to, I think something that will hold a lot of men back from this is a uh, fear of showing ignorance in scripture uh does anybody have any suggestions for books that they could follow as far as things that would get them started uh, with the family worship yeah so i would say um invest in a good study bible um that will have you give you some notes there to help you um another resources resource that is very well done is um way to go <laughs> we knew it would happen. Hey, that's all right. Brothers, we are not professionals. <laughs> <laughs> we are sure not. <laughs> we can edit that out. Right. Um, no, um, a resource. Yeah, so. <laughs> Can't edit out that tea stain on his Bible. <laughs> <laughs> Come on now. Let's get stay on to stay on task. Stay on task. Stay on task. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, sometimes this is just an example of family worship. Sometimes yeah, <laughs> this, exactly. is what, yeah, this is exactly yes. what family yeah. worship looks like in our house. Exactly. Someone spilt their drink. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Don't send Brother Mike to the corner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't make me take off my belt. <laughs> We'd get a lot of views with that, brother. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All 
right, here we go. Resources <laughs> right. yeah. for those who feel ignorant. Yes. Yeah, um, a good study Bible is going to be helpful for that. Um, a resource that's, that's pretty new that's helpful from uh, Reformation, Reformation Heritage is the Family Worship Bible Guide. Yes. Family Worship Bible Guide. Um, it, it, will, it, it will give you basically a, a paragraph or two for every chapter in the Bible um, that you can simply read the chapter in the Bible to your family and then read this paragraph um, in the Family Worship Bible Guide, and it'll have like even a discussion question for your family. So it, it makes it really easy. Um, and the content is really good. Yes, yeah. yes. Joe um, Beakey put that together, and uh, we're actually going to uh, have some books. One by Joe Beakey will be at the uh, dinner this week. Um, we've got some of them. He's also written a book on uh, basically how, how men lead their families. Uh, we're going to have that available. Every, everyone there should be able to get a copy of that. Uh, Don Whitney's got a book uh, as well on family worship that's really good. And I, I just want to say this. Uh, Man, don't be intimidated. Just read the Word of God. That's right. You, you, you don't, here's the thing. The Word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, able to bring to division the joint and the marrow and the soul and the spirit. Man, God's Word is living. There's no other means unto salvation other than God's special revelation of His Word. So just read His Word. Amen. Just read His Word. You don't have to be able to elaborate on it. You may be able to at times. You may not be able to at times. But my thoughts have always been, just read the word. Just read the word of God. The Holy Spirit uses the word of God, um, you know, and just trust that. You know, that's the issue of trust. And, and then again, there, there are lots of tools that we can help uh, that, that will help. You know, study Bibles are great. These books will be great. Um, but read the word. That's the thing. Read, pray, and, as, and, and sing. That's the, I think that was Beaky's little outline yeah. for this. Is, read, pray, and sing. Call your family together. Read, pray and sing <laughs> so clint and i both have young kids you guys don't um so a book that i that i recently have went through with my daughter um is the it's called the gospels made made clear to, to children um and it's written in a format to where uh, we go over god's attributes first and who god is and god's holiness and then it, it just it it separates things out to where the gospel is just made clear and present um, and it also has a study guide, and me and my wife started going through it with my daughter. Uh, you just dive into so much scripture, and that's what the book was so good about. We use that actually as our as our worship time together because you would go through um, so much scripture and, and, and so much about the attributes of God that it, it's not only great for children, but it's great for family worship too is what we found. Um, and, and it taught my daughter uh, the proper way to to understand the gospel and you always start at god and god's holiness and man and man's sinfulness yes. and the need for a savior and it and it set that in that order specifically for that purpose so um for you with young children that's a, that's an outstanding book to to get and go through with your children that you would get a lot out of also that's right it's, it's very it's very rich in theology also bruce ware's got a book out that we used as well i don't even know if david would remember it. he was pretty young but it was it's basically a, a theology for little kids and uh, it, like you said, it begins with who God is, and that's the start and foundation for all truth and the gospel. And uh, yeah, a lot of great, a lot of great tools um, that we can utilize for sure. Yeah, I think we're we're missing really the biggest resource that God has given us, and that is your pastor. Like God has equipped the church with pastors and teachers. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and uh, don't be ashamed to tell your family, I don't really know what this means. Yeah. 
and I'm going to ask pastor such and such, and and you go to your pastor and you ask him to help you um, explain it to me like I'm five, and then you take that to your children, because what are you, again, you're teaching children. Where do you go when you're ignorant? Where do you go? You yeah. seek help where God has given the help, and, yeah. and you go there. They're learning from you. It's okay. It's okay to admit that you are uh, not a know-it-all. It's okay to admit that you have to get help, too. Um, and that's a good thing to teach. Um, but I also want to piggyback on your uh, statement there, uh, Brother Mike, on um, just read the word. Um, just read the word. Uh, we moved away. This might be controversial. I don't know. But we moved away from children's Bibles um, mm. a couple years ago um, and just started reading the, the real Bible yeah. and just reading yeah. through it. And um, because that is the spirit inspired word. Amen. Um, and I just feel like children's Bibles also um, lose the gravity of the word of God and the, the reality of sin. Um, and the, uh, they try to, to overly, uh, prettyfy yes. uh, some of the biblical narratives, um, that your kids need to be equipped for a messy world. Mm. Um, and so we just started reading the straight Bible. So, uh, I don't know what y'all's opinions are on children's Bibles, but I'm all for straight Bible. Yeah. Yeah. Same here. ESV. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <gosh. laughs> hey. We 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 talk about um, we talk about. Uh, I, I was in the Book of Genesis doing a series here recently, and uh, I was struck with this this picture uh, at the fall when. Um, and, and we've kind of talked about this. I remember David Polk when he spoke to us at one of the men's dinners, talked about the the cleaving to your wife and and what that meant. And then when we see the fall, we see this scene of of um, Eve by herself. You know, and that that the word cleave means to like follow after closely. And and Adam was like nowhere to be found. And then you know the garden was Adam's. Remember, God gave that. So so Satan's trespassing on Adam's on his land and he's talking to Adam's wife and you know I always picture this scene of biblical godly masculinity of Adam rushing in and getting between the devil and his wife and saying what are you doing here you have no business here this is my garden and this is my wife you're talking to um, and you know um, I, I think in some ways and every man will have to evaluate himself in his own home but in some ways we've we've lost our homes um in some ways we need to retake i think a lot of christian men um like like i've been at times and none of us are perfect and, and sometimes we just i get negligent and uh, my family becomes vulnerable because of my negligence uh and the only thing to do like clint said is to repent now you know to repent now and I, and I think we need to take back our homes. I think we need to kick out the devil and tell him, no, he don't belong here. Yeah. And, um, and if we, we want to be what God's called us to be, then we need to take dominion over our homes and our families. That's first. That's first. God's made us husbands. He's made us men first. He's made us husbands. If, if we are, he's made us fathers. If we have the blessing to have children, uh, we need to be good stewards of these great blessings God's given us. And, um, you know, and, and we just speak to ourselves, we speak to other men, we speak to each other. By the grace of God, with the help of God, trust God and be the man 
that God's called you to be. Take back what's yours. Um, it's yours. God gave Adam the garden. It was his. He's gave me my wife. He gave me three kids that I love. Uh, take what's yours by the grace of God with the love of Christ. Um, and again, what a, what a picture of masculinity, man. I can't get over man. And it is. I think it probably takes as much courage to get in a brawl with another man or anything else is to call your family together and, and around the word of God. Um, uh, Matthew Henry said that this is where reform starts. Everything starts in the home. Uh, we, we're all uh, pastors in churches, and the, there are qualifications to be a pastor in the church, and it says you've got to rule your own family well, your own household well. So that, that tells me that family's first. Uh, if I, I can't be any more than what I am to my wife or to my kids, and I say that, I know it's, I'm talking big talk, man. I, I'm a sinner, man. I've messed up a bunch of different ways at a bunch of different times. Um, and we all have. Um, but don't let yesterday's sin uh, affect tomorrow's obedience. Um, you know, so. You just said something that I think is, is lost and unfortunately lost in today's church. Uh, and and that the fact that the qualification for a man to be a pastor is to be able to lead his household well. Yeah. Um, and I think that that gets overlooked, unfortunately, by a lot of churches because of a man's charisma or uh, status in society yeah. or culture. Um, but, but God put that in those qualifications for a purpose, and, and he, he explains it, basically. If a man can't rule his household well, um, how is he going to shepherd a church well? Um, and and it, it shows the importance of being able to rule your household and starting there, obviously. Start there. Like, just like you said, we, we like to complain about the world, and we talk about it at lunch a lot, yeah. how the state of the world, and um, we, we solve the world's problems over an hour and a half lunch. But <laughs> um, and really, it starts in the home, exactly what you just said. Yeah. Uh, if men would rule their households well, uh, then then things would start to slowly change in the ch in the church, in the civil government, in in our society, in everywhere. But it has to start in the That's home. That's right. Yeah, and we don't need to miss the fact that ruling the household well begins with worship. That's right. Yes. That's right. Right. You you. you we can't rule our households well built on a foundation of idolatry. No. And it, and if we don't put the true and living God, Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, at the center Christ of has to be our center. house and our responsibility to our home, uh, we can't expect God's blessing on that. And so uh, a first step, may, maybe you're a, a man who uh, you feel like you, you need to step up your game in ruling your household and getting your household in order. Um, I would encourage you to make the first step in that direction uh, ruling your household based on the foundation of right worship. Absolutely. That's where that true reformation begins. It yes. begins with worship. Worship comes first, then the reformation. And then when we get that right in our homes, then we see the broader reformation in the church and in the society that we're all hoping to see. That's right. That's right. It, you, you said something uh, that, that centered, that, that our lives are centered, our homes are centered around uh, around the Lord. And I think I think in some ways we've, we've portrayed to our children, or at least we can, uh, a, a hypocrisy. Um, we, we claim that God is 
is most important, that he's our God, obviously. And then if we go week upon week upon week where that God is never mentioned in the home, um, there, there's, you know, um, he, he's pretty much just neglected at home, then what does that really teach our children? I mean, what does that really teach our children? We can say God is first, but our children are smart, man. They, they know what's, you know, I think about sports, and, you know, our, we, we live in a culture that's dominated by sports. We're an entertainment culture. Sports is like, you know, way up here, and so many families, they got their kids, and, and, and we, we've been, and, and boy, I know this, yeah, there'll be people get mad with this, but there are uh, uh, people, their whole lives are centered around ball games and ball practice, and and it's always more and more and more and more and more, and there's no time. Oh, we would have family worship, but we just ain't got time. So what does that say? It says sports is more important than God, yeah. and we leave that indelible legacy on our life, and our lives aren't centered around the Lord. I think about Deuteronomy 6, and I'd want it to, to read this and quickly um, at the giving of the law, these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit down in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontless between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gate. So it shall be when the Lord your God brings you into the land of which he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you large and beautiful cities which you bit, did not build. I, I won't read on, but you see a life centered around the word of God. And you see a promise of blessing that comes from that. So there's that issue of faith again. And, and as we retake our homes, well, what does that look like? That doesn't just mean that, men, you buck up and beat a boss. Yeah. That means you lead your families in worship, and what you lead them to is a, is a home that's centered around the Word of God. It's centered around the Word of God. And, and that's revolution. That's reform, and it starts right in our home. Yeah, and it starts with a father who is captivated with the Word of God. Yes. I wanted to yeah, – I, I feel like we were a little soft on the ignorance thing earlier. Ignorance is okay today to repent of it. it, it you're not okay to stay ignorant of God's word. <laughs> you cannot, your, your kids will know, your yeah. wife will know, your coworkers will know if you're ignorant of God's word. And if I could suggest anything, it would be find friends, manly friends yeah. in your church that you can be truthful with, that, that will hold you to a standard and, and, will call you to the line when it comes to making a statement, when it comes to not knowing something about God's word, ha have that love for it, desire it, pray that you will have a desire for God's word and it will change everything. Uh, that, that's where you really have to start. Start with God's word, studying God's word, and then you can teach God's word to your children, to your wife. Ignorance is not okay. I felt like I was kind of soft on that. And you know, I'm not usually very soft on things. So. <laughs> Oh, softy. Yeah. yeah. So, First Peter three fifteen was a convicting scripture for me years ago. Going back to that, what you just said, and this is not just pertaining to everyone you encounter from an apologetic type standpoint at work, but this is also the home too with your family. And and First Peter three fifteen, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks for the reason of the hope that is in you. What's the hope that's in us? The gospel. Always yeah. be ready to defend that 
Um, and if you can't accurately do that, that's fine. Everyone isn't on the same level, but that's not an excuse to just be like, well, I just, I'm just ignorant and that, and that, and I'm just not going to try. Um, there's, there's never an excuse not to grow closer to God and always be prepared as Peter commands, um, to, to, to tell someone and explain to someone about the hope that is in all of us. Um, and, and that's with your family also. Yeah. That's right. We don't all have to be Jonathan Edwards, but That's we right. are called yeah. to study God's word. I think on this topic as well, it's important to emphasize that, especially if you have young children, we're not talking about men having to prepare sermons every night of the week. No, no. Like we're, you're not having to deliver, you know, the the caliber sermon that Pastor Mike delivers every single Sunday every night you know around your dinner table like that's not what the lord is expecting of you that's not what we're we're saying but you just need to share the word with your family and be able to answer the questions or make application um and uh, oftentimes that application is dealing with family matters um you know it's our family mantra for about the last six months is the first will be last and the last will be first because what is what do four little boys want to do they want to <laughs> compete with each other and cut each other off right and so We've been reading through the Gospel of Matthew, and that just comes up over and over again. Okay, what does it mean to the first will be last and the last will be first? Let them explain it and allow the Spirit to, mm-hmm. to, to use that. That's right. And then that, that hits you too because then you're going, okay, well, how am I fighting to be first and not last? Um, and, so, and, and you don't have to be a, a rock star theologian to do that. That's right. That's right. You, you think about uh, the, the excuse to say, well, I can't uh, leave my family in worship because I, I don't know the Bible well enough to teach them. Well, learn the Bible together. Yeah. That's what you do. You, you'll learn the Bible together when you sit down with your families and you read every night. You'll learn it together. Uh, and, 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 and that's a beautiful picture. You, like yes. I say, you don't have to be a theologian. You don't have to be a, a pastor. Um, if you're a Christian, the Spirit of God dwells in you, and he will teach you everything that you need. Can I say something to the the two women who might be listening to this? The two wives who (laughs) might be listening to this? If if you're a wife and you're listening to this, and you might happen to be more biblically knowledgeable than your husband, uh, don't shame him. Encourage him. Don't hide what you know. You know, don't don't hide what you know in order to feel like you're you're being submissive or whatever. Um, But be careful at um, quenching his trying. Yes. Um, and be an encouragement to him. And, and when you do help with what you know that maybe he doesn't know, do so in a way that affirms his headship and his leadership. Your children will see that. He will appreciate that. And you will, you will f- stir him up and fan him up into uh, what you yourself desire him to be. So, to, so that would be an encouragement. Um, along, we're talking about these issues of ignorance and seeking to grow and do better. Yes. Um, and I think that, that would be helpful for yes. wives yeah. to know. Yeah. That's right. That's right. And if your wife knows more than you, praise the Lord, that, that's a blessing. Yeah. And uh, jump in there, seek to learn and to lead. But Amen. having a wife who has a desire for the word is a blessing. So. so to prove statistically in society that um, how important the father is in the home, mm-hmm. uh, just to be present, for one, like we talked about earlier in the podcast with mine and Talon's father. Yeah, um, mine too. Even though they weren't may not have been saved until we were teens, early in our teen years, uh, the impact that they had on us and still have on us today, even in those years, um, was beneficial. 
right absolutely um now the impact that i'm having on my daughter like my dad would want and like talon said is better than maybe that i had because i'm sharing the gospel with my daughter at such a young age but the impact of fathers being present in the home just to show that and and the key to reformation like we talked about is the home and primarily the home and starts in the home statistics show it for example 90 percent of homelessness and runaway children come from fatherless homes 85 percent of children and teens with behavioral disorders come from fatherless homes or absentee fathers 63 percent of teens who commit suicide come from fatherless or absentee fathers 70 percent of all use in state facilities detention or prison come from fatherless homes so if that doesn't motivate you to want to be better for your family and center your family in Christ, then I don't know what will because we all want our children to be better than us. And, and statistics prove that your presence in the home, for one, is going to be beneficial in that manner. The main thing is to make that presence be known of Christ and Christ first. How much? How much more? Uh, this how, guy, much how, more? how much more? If if that's so true, uh, you know, how much more? If if it's fathers, spirit indwelt, walking in faith and obedience, mm-hmm. and leading their families like God's called us to. Clint had said something uh, at the at our first podcast um, in regard to counterculture, and um, you know, we we think what what we're talking about is obviously in a lot of things that we hold to as Christians and those who are committed to Scripture is counter to culture. Uh, but ultimately, as as Clint had highlighted last time, uh, we actually are a culture. We're seeking to establish a culture, and uh, today we're talking about the culture of our home. Our home and family has a culture, and it's the responsibility of men and fathers and husbands to. To, to build that culture up to be, you know, what what it should be. And, um, you know, and again, that's that's the beginning of, uh, I believe, and, I, and I'm pretty sure all of us sitting here talking together believe that's the beginning of, of being salt and light in the world is having that first um, effect in, in the home. And then imagine what kind of effect a family like that can have on a community. Of, you know, because you, our work is not in vain. The Word of God is not, will not return void. So, so we're talking about like an, an eternal investment in families that will multiply itself into other families and communities. And, and, and um, you know, it's exciting work. You, you think about, I, I talked with Clint today earlier about, you know, people, you know, they want to serve the Lord. And, they, and they'll come to pastors. I've had I don't know how many people over the years. They want to serve the Lord. They want to serve the Lord. And they think that means like, well, I need to be a Sunday school teacher or I need to be a deacon or maybe I can serve as the church secretary. <laughs> I'm like, no, no. You, you, it starts in your home. The greatest ministry of all is to be a father in a home or to be a mother in a home. I'm getting ready to have my second, Lord willing, grandchild is going to be a girl and my daughter-in-law my beautiful daughter-in-law just got a sweatshirt this week that said motherhood is my ministry and what greater ministry can you have that and father's your first ministry regardless of what any other ministry you might have is to be a father and we've said all this now so the talking part is easy so we got to go home (laughs) gather our families around the word of god Uh, god give us the strength to do that
Good stuff, guys. Well, I guess we'll close it down. We look forward to seeing everybody Thursday night at 6, Ministry Center on Gordon Street in Valdosta. I can't remember the exact address. Do you remember that, Clay? Right. No, I don't, but check us out on Facebook. It's on the uh, Facebook page, the address, and you can map quest it. But it's yeah, the Valdosta Ministry Center. Also, you can look that up online. Do I need to print those directions out and get Brooke to read them from me from MapQuest? You're so old, Clay. <laughs> no one uses MapQuest Nobody anymore. uses MapQuest. <laughs> All well, right, guys. I, I, I do. <laughs> <laughs> My point? Exactly. Clay and Mike can do it. Well, I am the oldest guy in the room. So, yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you, guys.